You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were looking at your phone while driving, let me say it again. Seriously, put down your phone. That is so unsafe. If you didn't do stuff like use your phone while driving, you could save money with Progressive Snapshot. But saving or not, just put it down. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't looking at your phone, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weinerb alongside Thomas Carinante. And for the viewers, we made ourselves big. Is this cool? You, you like, like it? this? We're going to keep doing it. Uh, folks, we're still locked down, but that doesn't mean we don't have content to talk about. People, it feels like they're strategically dropping these little nuggets so that we still have at least one or two bits to sustain a podcast every week. And for that, we thank you. We're going to be talking about Carlos Rodon to the Yankees, which is something we've always kind of liked, which became a little realer this week. The Red Sox checked in on Trevor's story, so we're going to check in on that. Some insider info on the shortstop search for our very own insider, Burt Murray, over at Fansided, and Aaron Judge at a secret wedding. What? Why? Why can't I have a secret wedding? Might be fun. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question. We'd be more than happy to answer. We need some more mailbag questions. need some more comments. Uh, people popping in to say hi. We love it when you do that. It's kind of weird when you do that, but we also love it in retrospect. And when it's not happening, we realize how much we loved it and how much we missed it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. Let's talk first about the first real rumor on the docket. Carlos Rodon. Do we like it? Do you like it? I think I like it. Um, it'd be nice to get a guy of this caliber on the pitching staff. I talked about this uh, in an article uh, today. I thought this was actually uh, a free agent fit that hadn't been discussed enough. And then, of course, we have the the simultaneous report dropping. What was that, the Athletic or the Boston Herald or something? Uh, you know? It was a Chicago guy. It was oh, a, Chicago guy. Chicago Even guy. better. Okay, yeah. great. So straight from the source, um, Yankees need pitching. No secret about that. Um, and I like how Rodon can potentially uh, have a dual uh, role. He can profile as a number two if he's able to reach his potential like he did this past season. Um, or he could be a depth guy if he's going to he, – he's got injury issues that, that have been consistent for ever since he came into the league, I think, five or six years ago. Um, so it's a concern. 
We're not saying it's not a concern. But if he can throw 120-ish innings as a number four starter um, in our rotation, I, I see a lot of value there. Uh, because his most of his starts and outings will be quality outings. I have no doubt about that. Um, we saw him reach his ceiling uh, this past year with the Chicago White Sox. And I think that this is the kind of deal that you you take the risk on. Why? Mm-hmm. We took a risk on Corey Kluber. Well, I don't know how everyone felt about that. I was not overly excited about that. 36 innings, 36 and two-thirds innings pitched in two years. Aging asset. Great. Whatever we can get out of him, we'll get out of him. We didn't really get that much out. We got a no-hitter, which was great. We had fun. It was a nice historic time in Yankees history uh, with with his performance in Texas that night. But the goal was to use him as a postseason weapon, and the Yankees did not get that far. And they it was a sunk cost at $11 million, which was a good portion of the Yankees' free agency spending last year. So I I, I wasn't a fan of it. And then you fast forward to this offseason. The Yankees were in negotiations, negotiations with Justin Verlander. Six innings pitched from him over the last two years, coming off Tommy John surgery. And you want to risk that much money for one year of a guy who you will need to absolutely perform at his highest level for the deal to be worthwhile in any capacity. Um, and not that I doubt Justin Verlander. He's one of the best pitchers of his generation. It's just... I, He's what thirty seven or thirty eight? Is he even older than that? Uh, uh, I think that yeah, he might even be older than that. Sure, yeah. there's thirty seven. I think we're only yeah. thirty nine. Yeah. So you're talking about reconstructive elbow surgery for a guy who's pushing forty, and you're going to invest twenty five million dollars for one year in that. Like I said, I supported a two year deal for him because if you're looking at it through the lens, okay, we get what we want from him later on in this year, and then we can go full bore twenty twenty three, and hopefully he's back where he needs to be. I think Rodon is the best of both worlds here. Yes, he has injury concerns. We just saw the ceiling happen. He got a lot of work in. I think he threw 140 or 50 innings last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was um, around 140. So it's enough to justify paying a decent amount of money for him. We don't know how much it'll cost. He is a Boris client. That's always a problem. Um, but I love the buzz here. I like that the Yankees are interested. They need a guy with fire. They need a guy with passion. Rodon is an intense guy. You could just see every time he's on the mound – he brings that to the table. Yankees lack it. Could use it behind Garrett Cole. That's how I feel about it. Again, if you let a road on injury throw off your plans and yeah. you treat this like a crippling Carl Pavano deal, then you're doing it wrong. And then, sure, if you're not ready and willing to absorb a semi-serious month or two-month injury <laughs> to a guy like Carlos Rodon, then yeah, sure. Like, you know, the Yankees, in my opinion, this is, I just talked about this on another guest appearance, but this is where fandom trips into the equation for me. Cause like, do I want him on my team? Absolutely. And I want him at any price because I do feel like three years, 50 million is a bit of an overpay in quotes, considering he was paid like $2.5 million last year after being non-tendered, had a lot of injury issues, finished fifth place in the Cy Young voting, but then didn't make it to the end of the season had to be babied in August and September in order to get him ready for October. It's the fact of the matter. It was very difficult to get him into the postseason. And he pitched well when there. And, you know, on a short leash, he barely pitched. When he when he did appear, he was extremely effective. Uh, so he will get hurt. It will be like Corey Kluber. You're not going to get 200 innings out of Rodon as your number two. Um, and that's okay. And so if you're willing to pay $18 million per year for three years for, I don't know, 130, 140, 150 innings, then fine, I'm totally willing to do that. And I don't think it that his injury cost should be prohibitive to the Yankees at all. And you should go into it knowing 
you're going to be paying him three or four million dollars too much. Yeah, frankly, that just is true. Maybe even five million dollars too much. Um, you know, the Yankees don't seem willing to do that, and they never are. And that's why teams like the Red Sox sign a guy like Rodon, and he pitches great. And you go, why can't we have him? It's because we weren't willing to go the extra mile for the injury risk. And like, if somebody is injury prone, you know, does that does the fact that they might miss three weeks in the middle of July? undo the fact that they might have dominated the Red Sox three weeks earlier to me no take the baked in I mean pitchers get hurt that's why you have eight starters that's why you have nine starters you sign people for what they're if if every pitcher was available all the time then the world would just be incredible you'd be able to roll with your five all year there was there would never be any variance the Mets would be in the World Series because they'd have DeGrom and Scherzer for 160 games that's great I don't foresee that happening and I don't foresee Rodon staying healthy for a whole year, but that doesn't preclude me from paying him the 18 mil it's going to cost him. Again, it's going to be three or four million more per year than you want it to be, but somebody's going to pay it. If nobody pays it, then great. Jump in at the discount, get the job done. But somebody is going to pay. But yeah, we were willing to pay Justin Verlander 25 million a year. He is going to be 39 when the season starts. He's currently 38 years old. Uh, you only get older, don't get younger. So when he hits his next birthday, guess what? Going to be 39, not 37. Damn it. Um, that's that's pretty old, especially in comparison to Rodon. I believe he'll hold up because I believe in Justin Verlander. And and too much ink has been spilled on this for a guy who's not coming to the Yankees. Um, I believe in his tenacity. I believe in his drive. I believe in his ability to contribute even longer than his body should be letting him. However, uh, I would take the uh, about half the price of a year of Verlander for three years of Rodon and a guaranteed, I mean, there's no guaranteed inning set here, but as long as you treat him right and skip his start every once in a while and accept that he might miss a month, uh, obviously that's not the worst case scenario, but if you accept that, pay him $18 million a year, don't let it, just don't let it stop you from doing anything else. That's all I have to say. I agree. There, there's no reason it should. Like you said, it'd be, it would be a great world. We don't live in a great world though. So uh, we're not going to have pitchers healthy all the time. Um, and you're going to have to overpay in some capacity, especially if you're a big market team like the Yankees, that's the whole point of what they are. That's what it should be. So they got to bite the bullet in some capacity this offseason. I don't think Rodon is uh, is a, uh, a prohibitive risk. I think it's a, it's a nice fit. Um, I think you have to take the risks where they exist. If you're going to do it with Corey Kluber, if you're willing to do it with Justin Verlander, no reason you shouldn't want to do it with Carlos Rodon. Um so moving on, uh, we got more Trevor Story talk. And look, we don't want Rodon going to the Red Sox. Like you said, that that will that will not go in the Yankees' favor. That There will be co-aces no, in Boston dude. with Sale and Rodon, and it will be a problem for us. So that's the reason I have to stop it. Also, the Red Sox are not playing around because there hasn't been a direct report with this, but Boston media is entertaining and floating the idea of Trevor Story to the Red Sox on a short-term deal I don't know why. I still don't understand moving Xander Bogarts. I don't understand accommodating a guy like Trevor Story for a short amount of time. I don't get it. I do understand Correa. If you're going to go after Correa and then shift the infield around, sure, that makes sense. But now Boston media is talking about this. Kind of has us worried because this this plan should be right, right up the Yankees' alley. You get Trevor Story for a couple of years. You pay a high price. He's gone. There's no long-term financial commitment. You can use your prospects in the next year or two. Um, if that's, if that's what you want to do, which is apparently the message we're getting from the organization. So I don't, I I don't know. Once again, I don't know if this is a troll because Red Sox media was like, Oh, Yankees fans seem to think it's a good idea. 
And the Yankees seem to think it's a good idea that Trevor Story in the Bronx on a short-term deal is good for them because of their prospects. Why don't we start talking about that for the Red Sox just to get in their head and perform some mental warfare as we talked about last time on the pod. The Red Sox taking our guys in the Rule 5, being involved in every free agent that that we're, we're connected to being involved in the same guys on the trade market. It never ends. I don't also do not need this going in against us uh, for the hundredth time. Can't have it. It would be kind of unbelievable if we hypothesized the short-term Trevor story thing. And then the Red Sox were like, Oh yeah, we came up with that. That's great. What a great idea. Um, it, yeah. Quite annoying. Uh, hard to even think about just because it makes all the sense in the world for us. Doesn't make that much sense for them. No. I mean, if they really if they really want to play around, I mean, get, sure, on, in a get-the-best-player-available mindset, you, you move Bogarts to second in what could be his walk year. Bogarts opts out after next year. you got to extend him. They say they're going to extend Bogarts endeavors, but they haven't done either of those things yet. And it's very hard to believe the Red Sox when they say they're going to do something with high-dollar players because they're always out there searching for upgrades, especially if they sign Trevor Story. I think Bogarts is probably gone. So it doesn't terrify me. The idea of adding story does make them the significant ALE's favor for next year, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. If they're adding an all-star upper echelon shortstop, yeah. shouldn't be the case. The pitching's still bad, but we just saw them rattle through the ALEs and, and know what they can do to the Rays. They now have the mental edge there, too. Finally, I would love to get the mental edge on the Rays. It's like Michael Scott. I would love to be part of an inside joke someday. Um, getting a mental edge on the Rays sounds awesome. Would love to would love to do that at some point in my life, but don't have it. Um, yeah, there, I mean, you, you play him in center, you play him in second, you play him at short, you got this versatile asset. You don't have to play Jackie Bradley Jr. Every day whose money you just ate. It's all very interesting. Um, and so if the Red Sox want to play in the deep end of the pool, they can, but they, they don't have any shortstop prospects who are going to be ready in the next year. They just drafted Marcello Meyer fourth overall. They got a complete steal there. He should be a 15 to 20 homer bad who holds down shortstop for the next decade. Plays at second at first, maybe you play alongside Bogarts. Maybe that's why they don't want to extend Bogarts necessarily. Uh, but he's not Volpe. He hasn't played yet. He hasn't debuted yet. He's not Volpe and Peraza. He's not knocking on the door. He's just the next in line for the throne in, in at Fenway Park, and that's great. So short-term deal with Trevor Story. Sure. I mean, again, if you're able to get a player of Story's caliber, do it. But it makes so much more sense for the Yankees to entertain a a three-year huge big money maybe just a two-year overload contract for trevor story so that you take him off the market and put him back on the market in two years after he's reestablished his value he's never had a worse season than he just did technically barely above average with the bat and where do you want to go to rehab your home run total yankee stadium where your home run total from last year if you would played all 162 games at yankee stadium would have literally doubled uh, I got in an argument about Yankees short porch against the wall at Fenway and all the nonsensical, you know, stadium dimensions that are at Fenway Park too, and which is more impactful. Um, I mean, I was just being difficult there. Yankee Stadium short porch obviously seems tailored for story swing. It doesn't yeah. matter where, doesn't matter where the green monster is. Doesn't matter how stupid I think the pesky pole is. None of these things are relevant. All that matters is that the data shows Trevor Story with the short porch doubles his home run total. Doubles his home run total, twenty four to forty eight, two times as many home runs. So you want to rebuild that value and you want to play shortstop. You don't want to ever get moved to center or left or second or accommodate Xander Bogarts. Then come to Yankee stadium. It makes so much more sense for the Yankees to sign story to a short term deal, but it also makes all the sense in the world that the Red Sox would at least be floating this because a, it's smart. We've been yelling about it for a while and B they like to do everything that we're trying to do. They're trying to be annoying in the same way that we're trying to imitate the Rays, and it doesn't work. The Red Sox are trying to block, the Yankees and it usually does work the only time the Yankees have gotten the better of its current administration is in the Anthony Rizzo trade this summer which I would do again it was fun blocking the Red Sox Rizzo is fun he might come back 
I don't know. Um, but it would be nice for the Yankees to get the winning edge in this one as well. And, and don't let the Red Sox uh, try to fit a square peg into a round hole and sell you on stories, versatility or whatever. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them to do it. It, it only makes sense in, in the interest of getting all-stars who would fit better on the Yankees and figuring it out later. Yeah. I don't, I don't want this. Don't want this happening. Uh, don't want this. It would be very annoying. And these types of things work out for the Red Sox. You look at Schwarber this summer. Had no place on the roster. Literally had no place on the roster, but they figured it out. They made it work. Um, and uh, it, it's a move that that is of that that just seems to always be in their wheelhouse. It, it works to their advantage. Um, the Yankees need to get ahead of it. If this is part of their plan, if Trevor Story is part of their plan, like we've said a million times, if they are mentioned in on a free agent and they are truly interested in that player, they cannot let their rivals get the better of them, whether it's better offers, whether it's just more more aggression in terms of pursuing them. Um, and too many times it's happened. I don't like it. And now, will there be a trade target available for other teams to go after or for the Yankees to go after? You're the one who protects the flock, and that requires an eye for detail. Because when safety and well-being are on the line, it's the details that can save lives. Even when no one else is watching, you see everything. Granger gets you, and we're here for you, and all the ones who get it done with a wide range of safety products and solutions, plus board-certified safety consultants here to answer your questions. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Fansided's MLB reporter, Robert Murray, who we spoke to earlier today, um, said that Kiner Falefa could be on the Yankees' radar. Trade target, um, we... Alluded to this a little while back. Uh, it was actually before the it was before the Rangers made their splash. We posited that hey, there's talk that they might sign a big time shortstop. If they sign a big time shortstop, Kiner Falefa just played 155 or 56 games there after moving over from third base in 2020. Um, if they sign a big time shortstop, did they just use Kiner Falefa as trade bait and then go along from there? I know I think they have a young third base prospect they might be interested in seeing. Um, yeah, Josh, Josh Jung, who yeah. is like a, a top 20 overall MLB prospect. Yeah, yeah they're going to have to find room for him someday. Yeah. So it's not out of the question, guys. Connecting the dots, using common sense, really not that crazy. So uh, instead of ping ponging him around the infield um, or putting him in a position where they're going to block somebody else that they think is more talented, why not a trade option? He's versatile, started out as, I think, a catcher or a second baseman and then moved all around, he's played third, second, short, and catcher. Um, Yankees would, in this instance, use him as a shortstop and then be able to move him elsewhere. Uh, I think he's controllable for two more years, I believe. Not entirely I believe sure. that's true, too, but I can look that up. Yeah, we could fact check ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. But what do you think about this? I, I, It's underwhelming. It's not the sexiest option, but guess what? If we're talking about improving defense and putting a guy like Connor Falefa, who OPS is in the high 600s, in the nine hole, I don't, it's not the worst thing. It's better than Andrelton Simmons. It's better than Freddie Galvis. It's better than all the other nonsensical free agent options outside of Correa and Sori that we've heard. Um, and the Yankees and Rangers, they're, they're business partners. They, 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 they trade often that they, they, they seem to be able to work out deals that are fair, fair for both sides. Um, so I'm not against this. I, I, I'm not throwing it out the window, but I'm also not, not fully for it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, holding up my phone finger when I hear this rumor. 
Yeah, I mean, you're not getting an offensive zero. You're not getting an offensive superstar. This is much more like trading for Simmons in his prime than it is for signing Simmons now. Kiner Falefa is 26. He'll be 27 around opening day. But that is, I mean, defensive prime, theoretically entering the offensive prime. I don't want to be one of the worst people, but it does scream the possibility for him to become Gio Urshela. Does it not? hitting the same age, similar defensive prowess. He was worth 3.7 war last year. That is far better than anything Urshela did before coming to New York on a minor league contract. Um, I am not going to get on the rooftop and demand that we trade for Isaiah connor Falefa, especially because he will cost assets, not just money, and he is worse than Carlos Correa and Trevor Story. Uh, these are the, uh, everything. Many things can be true. It, it can be true that connor Falefa is a more interesting option then Simmons and Freddie Galvis, who went to the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks, big Hawks fan, go uh, go Hawks. Um, you know, it can be true that he's more interesting than either of those people, but also de- definitively worse than Carlos Correa and Trevor Story and would still amount to an instance where the Yankees sold us on a bill of goods they were not able to deliver on because we all thought we were getting a shortstop and nobody thought, well, maybe the Rangers will sign two of the middle infielders and then we'll get Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Like, that was not the offseason plan at all. Getting the runoff from the team that did the actual upgrading in the middle infield is is a pretty upsetting way to look at things. But all in all, he's certainly more interesting than Simmons. I mean, you're looking at a guy who beat out Urshela for the gold glove. You're looking, I mean, Yankee fans, you want to beg me, beg me for more contact hitters. We needed to sign DJ LeMahieu last offseason. You need a change of pace in the lineup. No team can thrive. With Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and Carl Stanton and Joey Gallo, the worst of all, a guy who should be demoted and, and thrown in Guantanamo Bay. Well, then you get Isaiah Connor Falefa for you. You get a contact. You get, <laughs> you get a 270 guy who puts a bat on the ball, advances runners, takes the extra base, grounder to second, move the guy to third. Because, of course, a grounder to second with a runner on second and no outs is better than a homer for sure, for damn sure. Uh, would love to maybe not score a run when I could have scored two on a home run. Uh, but for all of you who hate home runs, uh, Isaiah Connor Love is an interesting option. Again, he ranks for me definitively behind Story and Correa in terms of people I'm interested in, but way ahead of the bottom of the barrel. Simmons, uh, Galvis types, uh, Jose Iglesias, of course. I also would prefer uh, Connor Falefa to him. Uh, I would put him way behind the top guys, way ahead of the bottom guys, but also, unfortunately, way more likely than the top guys in terms of overall relevance. I haven't really wavered there. I still have Trevor Story around 15% likely to be a Yankee, maybe a little lower than that. I still have Carlos Correa at negative 1,000% likely to be a Yankee, and I'm not wavering there. There's just absolutely no chance. Read the tea leaves. Read the tea box. Read the guy outside the tea store yelling about how Carlos Correa is not covering the Yankees. You can read whatever you want. It's not happening. Uh, I mean, God bless, all, God bless all of you. Because now we have a whole lockout for all the stupidest people on earth who have still, for some reason, bought into a Yankees vision that doesn't exist. And <laughs> the entire lockout for all of you people to go, wow, what a day it's going to be on February 24th when I get that Jeff Pass notification saying the Yankees have signed Carlos Correa and they're finalizing a deal. You're much more likely to get a pass notification saying Carlos Correa is going to prison for wire fraud than you are that he is signing with the New York Yankees. So, you know, I, I mark Kiner Falefa as interesting, not a no, not a no for me. And if we trust the minor league hitting coordinator who just got elevated as much as we think we do, 
in terms of somebody who can elevate the team's approach and get them to attack baseballs in the zone, which is what they were doing in the minor league so effectively and were absolutely not doing under Marcus Timms last year. Love the guy, but clearly a weakness of theirs. It was a strength in the minor leagues. If you trust that guy and you see what the Yankees did to Gio Urshela when he came here and you see what the Yankees did to Luke Voigt when he came here and even Cameron Maben when he came here and you see what they've done to all these uh, either big power, no discipline dudes or no power, great field, completely questionable that. Like Urshela, I mean, again, Connor Falefa has already quadrupled Gio Urshela's major league resume. If you're judging based on when he joined the Yankees and where Connor Falefa is now and the ages they're at. So I'm not ruling out, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling out it being interesting. I'm not ruling out a leap. I think it's much more like, I mean, there's a reason Burt told us the Yankees have checked in with the Rangers on this trade. The optics of the Yankees getting Texas's runoff after they sign the guys we were favored to get is terrible. I would prefer Correa. Again, not going to happen. I would prefer Story, but I would certainly prefer Kiner Falefa over the other negative options we've heard. And he's not going to hold down the position for very long because, like you said, it's two years before free agency. And if we're extending Isaiah Kiner Falefa, then either he made a monster leap or we got a bigger problem. Yeah, well, or he's a utility guy, which you could use for years to come. Who knows? I'm just going to ask the guy. 30, the, yeah, maybe we yeah. love him. Maybe he becomes intrinsic to the Yankee family. I have no idea. But. DJ LeMay, did. Wasn't expected to do what he did, but I, I'm going to ask the guy at the local tea shop because he'll have the information. We'll see what he's thinking, um, and we'll come back and report it right on the podcast on Thursday because I can't run out to the tea shop right now. Um, guys, love's in the air. Holidays are here. Judge is married. Aaron Judge is married, ladies, so don't even think about it. Guys, don't think about it either. You can't. You simply can't. Aaron Judge is a married man. Uh, The Daily Mail caught him uh, in Hawaii uh, with a very small ceremony, marrying uh, the woman he's been with for quite some time now, Samantha Braxiak. Um, And congratulations are in order because we had no idea they were engaged. They, the last we heard, unfortunately, was um, she she got that DUI, I think, before the 2020 season um, in Arizona. Um, and name dropped Aaron to the cops um, in that troubling video from TMZ. Uh, apparently, though, the Yankees family surrounding her, all the other uh, wives and girlfriends, showed her support. Um, greater Yankee community showed her support. People make accident, uh, people make mistakes like that. Not a good look, but guess what? We're moving on for the better. And Aaron Judge married her. Uh, they're in love. Hopefully, I mean, it feels that way. Uh, Hopefully. Hey, it seems that way for sure. But yeah, I mean, judge private life, dude, this is not surprising at all. Uh, You don't know anything about Aaron judge's personal life. You just know he's a family and religion, family and Christ guy uh, as per his uh, Twitter bio loves baseball. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't give you much in post game or pregame interviews. Um, That's why he's, he's of the ilk of a Yankees captain material, um, not paying any mind to that negative attention, that negative media. The guy still wants to be a Yankee for life. Um, after all that has happened in the Bronx over the last few years and, you know, the, the tough treatment from fans, the tough treatment from media and all that. Um, so not really surprising to me that this isn't front facing in the media because you will see a back page story about the DUI. You will see other concerning things that you don't want to hear about because you're just a guy living your life and you want to enjoy it. Uh, Aaron judge, unfortunately in the spotlight, he's exposed to those types of things, that type of negative press. Why even bother? 
Didn't know they were engaged. Apparently, there were older pictures from June uh, with her uh, having a ring on her finger. So we missed it. Um, and then they got married in Hawaii. It was said to be a small venue with very few friends and family. Uh, classic judge way to go about it, dude. You know, judge is not having a 300 person wedding. He's having he's having the boys there. He's having, you know, the, the, the close family members, obviously close women. And that's, that's going to be the rager. So hope they had a good time, but Hey, big season for judge coming up contract year, making 17 million arbitration for the 2022 season. Hopefully a contract extension on the horizon, maybe being anointed Yankees captain, big congrats to, uh, to our guy. He's our guy. He's our guy for now. Uh, we're saving that money for the extension. It would seem <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, this is the year. First year as a married man. Got that baby pressure climbing up the charts. Oh, yeah. Um, they they appear to, have, again, it's so weird. It's not weird how secretive this is. It's just surprising. I, I only, I mean, again, I am sorry. I only knew of her existence because of the DUI. Yeah, sadly. And so um, I, I didn't know how long they'd been together. I'd seen rumors about, I mean, there are pictures of them from college. Like, they must have been together or at least known each other for an extremely long time. And how did we not know that? Aaron they said Judge- 2014 or something, but like you go back on his Instagram, he's got, there's no, there's one picture of them from like six years ago. That's it. Yeah. Nothing. So, um, I mean, it's again, crazy. People call Judge Captain Material. People say he's like Jeter. I mean, he's like Jeter in the way he talks after games, but yeah. two, I mean, two very specific ways in which he's not like Jeter. One, Derek Jeter would never bring a boom box after tying the ALDS at one apiece. <laughs> Unfortunately, you know, it's funny. It's a funny movie. I love it. I love it. I loved it. I wish they'd won. I wish they'd won the goddamn series, but they didn't. Um, so uh, Jeter would never do that. Jeter would wait till the job is done and he wouldn't, I don't think Derek Jeter would troll for an ALDS series tie. I think he'd probably wait for the end of the world series, but what's, you know, that, that was also 20 years ago. Players behave differently. Now, Derek Jeter didn't have Twitter. It'd be very funny if he had, but the (laughs) second thing, uh, we always knew, you know, you talk about Derek Jeter's post game and Derek Jeter always being able to handle his personal life. All these things are true. We always knew who Derek Jeter was dating. We did. It, oh, I mean, we it was, did. It was uh, the back pagest of news stories, and he did a great job not letting it affect his play and not talking about it and never bringing it up. But it's very funny that Aaron Judge could not only be have a girlfriend for this long, but be engaged secretly and have a secret wedding on a Hawaiian island. Um, all of this is very intriguing to me, and congratulations to the happy couple again. But this is a massive year for Judge. First year as a married man, last year before free agency. Hopefully it doesn't get to that, but the, the you know need to perform, the need to stay healthy, they're all maximized this year, especially because now you're providing for two. Also, that assumes that last year she wasn't riding his financial coattails. Um, I'm sure that she was in some capacity even before they were uh, married. Yeah, I mean, that's great. Um, I'd be only- Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, give me a break. Uh, <laughs> the only other thing that I would note uh, that I did see somebody bring up this morning, I think it was JJ, uh, tweeted, and this is unfortunately a very real thing. Does the fact that he got married in Hawaii mean that he's finally vaccinated? Because what wouldn't he, aren't travel rules a little bit restricted? Maybe I, I don't know, but all, all I know is that if he remains unvaccinated for 2022, he's not playing in Toronto. Those are nine games where we uh need Aaron Judge to play baseball. So uh any update on that front would be very helpful. If the if the 2022 Yankees get Kyrie Irving, I'm gonna be pretty pissed. <laughs> It's it's yeah certainly so I didn't even think about not being able to play in Toronto because if Canada is oh, still going to have the restrictions yeah if there are um, still restrictions he's going to miss nine of the most important games of the year that's so, be mentioned you know what I think remember because I love the Florida stories dude there's always the creepy Florida people back mm-hmm. 
before it was obviously closer when it was it was obviously over the summer. Um, so it was like just people were getting vaccinated in like March and April. Um, mm-hmm. And apparently the cup, this couple traveling from Florida to Hawaii had fake vax cards and mm-hmm. they got in trouble for Antonio Brown and his girlfriend. <laughs> no, it was yeah, yeah, the, creepier than that. Um, but there are a couple from Florida. I mean, that was, that was <laughs> Tom Brady and Giselle. I mean, <laughs> two people who got in trouble for faking vax cards. And why would you need a fake vax card if traveling to Hawaii didn't require that? You're just walking around with a fake fax card showing it to TSA. Hey, dude, I'm vaccinated. Don't worry about it. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't need that. You weirdo. Give that to me. Oh, great. It's fake. You're going to jail. Um, so just based on that story um, that made headlines, which was sad, but funny. It was funny to see those people get in trouble. Sad that they went to those great lengths like to do that. Um, but yeah, got now has me wondering. Maybe he is. And maybe we don't have to worry about any of that stuff next year because I don't think the Yankees want that kind of bad press if Judge is not able to make it to Canada for a very crucial weekend series against the blue Jays. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's hope that's the case. Uh, I'm sorry for turning his wedding story into discussion of whether or not he's vaccinated, whether he's going to miss a September game in Toronto or not. Like I I didn't want to do that. Congrats to the happy couple. Um, I held up a boom box. Yeah. It's like they were celebrating their wedding and I held up a boom box right after the nuptials were over (laughs) uh, to ruin, to ruin everything. I I apologize to Aaron and Samantha. Uh, Congrats. Congrats to y'all. Now, uh, other offseason, other offseason Yankee stuff, Thomas. What, what do you want to talk about here? What is this stuff? We have stuff. So um, the one thing I did want to talk about because I want to know how everybody feels about it. I want to know how you feel about it. So mm-hmm. uh, Joel Sherman, long column talking about. So first of all, if you follow Joel Sherman, if you trust his insight, he is down bad, pessimistic on the Yankees' prospects of landing Freddie Freeman or Carlos Correa or Trevor Story. Mm-hmm. So welcome to the club. That way, yeah, welcome to the club. Although I am optimistic on Freddie Freeman because if they're involved in the bidding this early, to me, it means the Yankees are serious. So I'll remain. I need to be optimistic about something in my life mm-hmm. because I'm just not. So I'm gonna. That's gonna be my optimism for the offseason. Freddie Freeman, I think, could be coming to the Bronx, but Joel Sherman does not think that. And then he delves into this long-winded, crazy offseason plan where the Yankees fill a multitude of gaps. And it involves re-signing Anthony Rizzo at what the organization would consider a bargain price, probably a two or three year deal. And then it involves trading for Elvis Andrus of the Oakland Athletics to come fill in at shortstop and trading for Lorenzo Cain to split reps with Aaron Hicks in center field as the part-time center field duo slash you have Joey Gallo play in center when if those guys are ailing or need rest and you have Giancarlo Stanton in left, I don't know what it is. This seems complicated to me. Seems, seems like a lot of complications here. I think if you're going to trade for Andrus, it's got to be in a package that includes Matt Olson and a starting pitcher. And then you kind of knock all those things off the bucket. You just filled three needs in one move. Doesn't right really matter who you got rid of. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Take the bucket, put it on your head. It's over. Yeah, so give it to the T store guy. Give him that guy. a bucket. <laughs> yeah. He's going to want a bucket for the team. Uh, so this to me, if the Yankees are going to great lengths to inherit, because remember this, these are not cheap sell. Andrus fourteen million for next year, Lorenzo Kane eighteen million for next year, Anthony Rizzo. You're probably looking in the fourteen to seventeen million range. I don't know. I'm not an agent, but that's what I'm going to posit here. Um, if you're talking about going to great lengths to trade and inherit that salary, that seems like a crazy plan to me. Well, 
is that not nuts? I mean, I understand getting Anderson a package deal if you're talking about filling a rotational need or, and or the first base need. But if you're going to go out and get Andrews separately, get Lorenzo Kane separately, re-sign Rizzo, and then I don't know what you're doing for the starting rotation or the bullpen, a little nutty. It feels like the Knicks. Like, why Why do the Yankees have to be a way station for everybody's bad <laughs> contracts? Like, just because somebody else signed Lorenzo Cain, who's breaking down to a giant deal. I, I would have loved to have signed Lorenzo Cain several years Me ago. Too. Um, but now it's it's in a place where that's veering into bad deal territory. And if you're also reserving Andrews, which is already veered into bad deal territory, that it just feels like Joel Sherman figured out a way to put some names on the Yankees while making the roster worse. I mean, why do I want Lorenzo Cain instead of Florial? Like, and I'm not even like a Florial guy. No. I'm not like a dude who's who's banging the drum. Esteban Florial. I don't know if Esteban Florial needs to play, but I do know he looks like he could hit 230 or 240 with 15 to 20 homer power. Right? Can Lorenzo Cain do that? I don't know. Probably roughly equivalent. And Lorenzo Cain costs again someone who I love costs a ton of money. Elvis Andrews. Low-key sucks. He's worse than I say. Gunnar Fleffa. Oh, batting, like, yeah. Yeah, at, at the plate. But he steals I, I bags. Yeah, he steals bags. Again, fine. If he could theoretically be here, that's fine. But if the centerpiece of my offseason is just getting the 18th best available option in every position and absorbing a ton of money, that's not how I want the Yankees to be using their financial might. When I say yeah. I want the Yankees to be flexing their muscles, I'm saying sign Trevor Story, if not Carlos Correa. Sign Marcus Simeon if not Corey Seager, not take on all these useless, bad, big money contracts from poorer teams just to say, look, I can do it. That, again, that's what the Knicks do, one, with a salary cap. So they really need to save people. They're not – like the Knicks have to take these contracts off people's hands. The Yankees don't. There's no salary cap. Like they could <laughs> saddle the other team with the bad contract forever. The, the Brewers could just pay money. That That's what they could do. But B – that's what that's the advice people were giving the Knicks at the start of a rebuild. Like if Russell Westbrook becomes available and nobody wants to pay him, why don't you go grab him? You suck anyway. You might win three extra games and you'll have all these expiring contracts you can trade. There's no cap in baseball. There's no expiring contracts. There's no benefit to adding this money to your payroll. And the Yankees are supposedly, correct me if I'm wrong, not at the opening stages of a rebuild. They're supposedly contenders. They were in the wild card game last year. They're trying to get better this year. There's no easy way to get worse than to absorb big money, bad contracts. So maybe one, not two. And I'm definitely not trading for both of those regressing players and also signing Anthony Rizzo, who I'm fine with if he's what it turns out to be at first base, but not if he is the number one offseason addition with Elvis Andrews and Lorenzo Cain following behind him. I... I have a sick thought that this could be an okay thing. An okay, okay thing. Why? Because we talk about all the time, the Yankees have, the Yankees don't need the best starting pitcher and the best first baseman and the best shortstop and a top three center fielder to be good. They have enough talent to be good. If they fill the gaps with experienced players who can do a little bit of something while also getting rid of other people. So here you're looking at the Yankees. Luke Voigt is involved in one of these deals, whether he's going to Oakland or the way he's going to Milwaukee. Both of those teams will need a first baseman, yes, a more stable first baseman. So right there, the Yankees are getting rid of $5.5 million in salary, if that's what they're going to do. Then you have Miguel Andujar is still here. Do I think he's a trade ship? No. Do I think a team might take him as a throw-in because he's, he's costing $1.7 million and they could maybe th- – 
use him at different positions and feel mm-hmm. okay about it? I don't know. Is Joey Gallo going to stay here? I also don't know. That's $10 million in arbitration. A team might want to – why wouldn't the Brewers want to take him on? One year of $10 million? I, I don't know. Maybe. You fill the gaps with Lorenzo Cain, who doesn't have to play every day. He's only played 83 games in the last two years because of injuries. So mm-hmm. – um, and he's a free agent after next year. So is Andrus. So you're inheriting $32 million plus Rizzo's deal, which is what? Let's say it's 16 you're looking at 40, sure. 48. $48 million for next year, and you're taking off probably – if you're trading guys, you're probably taking off close to 10 – you're taking off tops ten uh, on the low end $10 million, or you're taking off like between 15 and 18. So then you're looking at – you're inheriting high 30s, low 30s in salary, and I think this might make the Yankees a little bit better. You get guys who are experienced. You get guys who can provide a little bit of veteran leadership. You get guys who are a bit more stable during their playing time um, in tight situations. I, I agree with you. Elvis Andrews, I, I don't really – he doesn't attract me as a bat at all. But stable defense, put him in the nine hole. I don't know what happens with all these guys surrounding him who are better. He's played in Texas where they have been bad for the last five, six years. He's played in Oakland where – there, there's not enough offensive po- firepower there for him to kind of really jump off the page. Do I think he's going to OPS 800? No, but you know, maybe get him into the low 700s, get some walks, poke some singles out there, could work. Um, and then you're talking about um, bringing Rizzo back. I don't think anybody's opposed to that. I think people like the other options out there. I don't blame you, Matt Olson. Better option, Freddie Freeman. Dream come true. So. If you're looking at the totality of this and you and you want the you are stuck with the realization that hey, the Yankees aren't signing a shortstop long term. Nope. They're not. They like Volpe, they like Peraza. I don't know what it is. They also don't want another three hundred million dollar contract on the books because they're saving money for Aaron Judge, the five billion dollar franchise saving money. His one hundred thirty um, million dollars <laughs> He's not I mean, whatever. So I can buy into this. I won't be happy with it, but I will say, look, okay, you have veteran Lorenzo Kane splitting. I think Aaron Hicks and Lorenzo Kane splitting time together. I know it's a it's a lot of money. It's eighteen million for one and almost eleven million for the other. It's bad business. It's bad budgeting. It's bad investments. It's bad. But guess what? You're stuck with it. You're probably not getting rid of Aaron Hicks um, unless some team, unless you want to eat a portion of that contract. The Yankees aren't into eating portions of contracts unless they're getting something worthwhile in return. I don't know what a potential trade-off there for Aaron Hicks would be. I don't think it's going to be attractive enough for the Yankees. So if we're talking about having a deeper outfield where they're mostly veterans, where they're largely reliable and where they can kind of be, uh, they could be preserved by sharing the time and splitting it here and there, and you know, uh, d- dueling as a starter and a bench option, coming into pitch it, coming in late in games for defensive reinforcements, staying staying off their feet enough to not have the injury proneness take over because Kane and Hicks recent years injury prone could work, risky, but could work. You load it up with veterans. You got a lot of the right voices in that locker room. Lorenzo Cain wins a World Series with the Royals. Elvis Andrus went to those uh, World Series with the Rangers um, back in the day uh, with Ron Washington in Texas. So um, I don't think this is bad. Rizzo, once again, tons of playoff experience. I don't think this is terrible. I think it's a lot of unnecessary financial and trade gymnastics to kind of keep your plan in place. Um, I don't think it's a crazy pitch from Sherman. I think people will view it that way. I think if you just sit down, think about it for a little while, realize the amount of money they'd be inheriting slash offloading a bit of it cancels out. 
And you can, you know, if you're spending 35 million on three players for one year, as opposed to spending $35 million for the next 10 years on one player, if you're, you know, if you really want Correa, then you have to look at that as a win because then what? Yankees have all these guys coming off the books in 2022. That's the plan, right? The plan is to have more financial flexibility in 2022. Right now, 75 mil coming off the books in 2022. If they inherit these three, if they inherit these two contracts in Kane and Andrus, that's another 32 million coming off the books. So you keep adding it up. If the Yankees are serious about going for it this year, if they think this is their shot, if they're going to make, you know, maybe they spend a little extra money on pitching or they make a bigger uh, splash in a trade for pitching, so be it. But guess what? The window is now because who's a free agent next year? Gary Sanchez, gone. Jamison Tyone, gone. Joey Gallo, gone. Uh, Aaron Judge, hopefully extension. Chad Green, gone. Um, So you're talking about a lot of guys here. And then you have guys entering their arb. Oh, Zach Britton, Chapman, gone. They're not staying. Uh, uh, Luis Severino has a $15 million team option. Hey, guess what? If he doesn't perform to capacity, they ain't picking that up. Joely Rodriguez, free agent. Look at all those guys. That's that's a that's a that's a third of the roster out, and it's out. There's no question about it. They are not re-signing Chad Green, Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton, Gary Sanchez, all gone. They are not coming back. If they come back, I will be shocked. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's kind of the way I look at it through this yeah. lens. Not entirely pessimistic about it. I think it's a little bit much. But hey, if we have to if we have to live by the plan of them going with these young free agent, uh, these young prospect shortstops. I don't think I really don't think this is that crazy because if they solidify defense at shortstop and they get more veterans in in the room, they don't need they don't need the best at every position. They don't. They already have like four of the best guys arguably at their positions potentially. So I don't know. Hey, uh, you know I find very little follow their arguments. It's just funny. Like I, I feel like. Lorenzo Kane and Elvis Andrews like back in the day it's very throwback Yankees thing to do like the 96 Yankees would have added those dudes as the final two guys on their bench and like the end of the pieces of a playoff puzzle like Tim Raines yeah. and, and adding Daryl Strawberry and adding names j- that you know just for the hell of it like it, it reads differently when it's Sherman being like instead of signing a shortstop who matters why don't you trade for a guy from the 2010 Rangers like <laughs> Remember that grit of the 2015 Kansas City Royals? You could have that for a ton of money too. It, it just <laughs> feels like a weird way to spend all yeah. of your like. I would I would endorse getting both of these players on my roster, just not as the centerpiece. And so it, it just rings hollow at the end of an offseason when it, they it feels like they've prioritized all the wrong things. But then again, starting to feel like a shortened season, maybe kind of the MLB. It's only been like two weeks of the lockout. It doesn't even feel like they're talking. I haven't heard anything about that. So. I don't, you'd feel a little silly spending all that money on Corey. It would be very Yankees to have spent all that money on Corey Seager and then have 120 games this year, you know, in year one in the same way that Garrett Cole's first year ended up being 60 games long, pretty annoying, and they never got all – I mean, I guess they probably got some of that money back. Yeah. But it's still infuriating. Um, so, yeah, I, I vibe with what you're saying. It just sounds like adding to the back end of the bench instead of adding major core pieces. Yeah. Um, and it's been 25 years since you know that was the ethos but yeah we'll see you never know um what other offseason Yankee stuff you want to talk about? you want to talk about say Suzuki unfollowing the uh Red Sox on Instagram that was pretty right. funny I don't have much more to say about that it's just 
it just was funny that a bunch of Red Sox fans were like, say, Suzuki follows us on Instagram eyeball emojis. And then he unfollowed them and they're like, ooh, it's actually better that he unfollowed us because it means that he noticed that everybody was noticing. And it's like, oh, so I guess everything's good for you yeah. then, right? It's all yeah, fucking awesome Boston, for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nothing's bad. Nothing's ever bad in Boston. You're good at baseball. Hey, baseball, no. we're good. You suck, dude. We suck at baseball. Baseball doesn't matter. We got basketball. Yeah. There's We have the Patriots, dude. Yeah. Yeah, we're bad at basketball too. It's like, oh, we got Patriots. T- then we have 27 rings in New England. Patriots. <laughs> Title um, down. Right, yeah. No, I thought 27 rings was bad, but if you have the 27 rings, it's it's yeah. actually good. That's how it works. Remember. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm out, I think. I think we're good. Uh, that, that That's it for uh for this edition of the Inkscope Yard Podcast. A lot of speculation. Unbelievable amount Unbelievable. of speculation for a Monday. Considering a Monday lo- a lockout Monday, you just heard from us on Friday. How did we have so much to talk about? I don't know. God bless us, everyone. <laughs> as Tiny Tim once said. That's it, though. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. You can also hear both of us on the Baseball Insiders Podcast. Yeah, baby. Murray and uh, Mark Carmen on the Fansided Podcast Network and the Minute Media Podcast Network. You ever heard that little sting at the front mm-hmm. of the podcast? This is on that network. So is that. Pretty fun. Uh, and you can find us both on Twitter and on YouTube Live every Monday and Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern time on Twitter. You can find me at the address below at Adam Weinrib, Thomas Carinante. Where can they find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Please go also subscribe to the Baseball Insiders podcast. A lot of insight there. Robert Murray, props to yeah. him at by Robert Murray. Gave us the scoop on Kiner Falefa. Okay, we're going to run with it. We're going to talk okay. about it. We love it. Thanks, man. Okay. You follow him. You'll get more baseball news, and that's what you want. You want to know what's going on. You want to be in tune to everything. Um, so that's a great follow for you. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there per usual for you. We're doing it over and over again. We're not stopping. We're not going to stop through the holidays. There will be something up there for you to read or digest. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account as well at YanksGoYardFS. We want to hear more from you. Come on. We're bored. We're trying. We're trying to do more. We want more discourse. I don't care if it's negative or positive. We get enough of it every day. We want more. We want to hear from you. And next time you'll hear from us, Thursday, 2 p.m. Be there, baby. Ooh, we will see you there. I feel terrible for the two viewers that just joined the stream because, folks, the show is over. I hope you enjoyed those last couple seconds. But... Listen to the whole pod. It's a good podcast. It'll be available wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see y'all on Thursday. Goodbye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.